Good morning, church. If you're excited about being in church on the coldest day of the year, give Jesus seven seconds of praise. Yeah, got to do it. Say, hey, it's hit seven degrees out there a while ago. Look at your neighbor and say, you did great. You put on a coat and turned the heater on and you got to church anyway. Amen. So happy you're here. Let's welcome our online campus too. Thank you guys for tuning in, being a part of our day. Uh, we're going to dive right back into Acts chapter one here in a moment. So make sure you got your media notes and online. You can download them right now off any of our outlets. Before we do that, we're going to pray. And before we pray, we're going to celebrate a little bit. Uh, this morning, we dedicated 15 families who came on the stage and, and over the three services asked our spiritual family to pray a blessing over them and they were going to commit their homes to serving Jesus. 15 families have been on our stage today. Yeah, amen. And uh, in the last service on, I don't know about the first service, but I just got word a few minutes ago. In the last service, the second experience today, seven children in kids ministry gave their heart for the first time to faith in Christ and received salvation this morning. Come on, Jesus is moving. And even on a cold Sunday, amen. So we're excited you're here. And if you're new to the church and you want to know about partnership and how to get involved, you want to be here today at four o'clock for starting point. Next Saturday night is night of worship. Don't want to miss that. And next Sunday is our vision Sunday. So it'll be a little different. We're going to do a lot of celebrating. We'll look at the past year and we'll celebrate what God did in 23. We'll cast some vision for 2024 and we'll finish up the morning praying and asking God's blessings over the rest of the year. Amen. So it's going to be great. I want you to be here next week as well. It's kind of a little different than normal, but man, we're going to celebrate. But today I've got a word that I really want to lay on your heart and it's a, a, a huge uh, a burden in my own spirit today. I want to pray right now that the spirit clearly communicates his word to us today. So if you would, would you pray with me? And let's ask the Lord to do this. Father, um, we just want to take these next few moments and just be in tuned to what you've got to say. We, we pray uh, as always, God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds to understand. But God, we need to be aligned with your truth today so that we can put our faith in action and, and that God, we can follow you and, and be aligned with you. And so Father, I pray a, a special anointing, a special favor over these next few minutes. Help us to receive your word and put it into action. And we thank you. We thank you for this morning already. We thank you for all the folks who've come to worship you and those online. I, we thank you for every family being dedicated to you. We praise you for everyone who's made a decision to follow you. And uh, God, we just look forward to what you're going to do this year. So speak now, God, to us and align us with your will as we open your word to Acts chapter 1. It's in Jesus' name all God's people said, Amen. Well, Bill Bright was an American evangelist. He's in heaven now. But uh, Bill Bright, uh, when he was in college, he wanted a ministry to minister to other Christians uh, on a university setting or to share the gospel. He was an evangelist at heart, so it wasn't just for believers. He wanted to reach people who didn't know Christ, and he wanted them to come to faith in Christ. Bill Bright is probably most famous for two reasons. One, because of his heart and his passion, he began a ministry that has now spread across 
uh, college campuses all over the United States and all over uh, around the world, literally now, called Campus Crusades for Christ. Some of you have probably heard of that, Campus Crusades for Christ. He also wrote a little track that maybe some of you have heard or someone walked you through at some point in your spiritual journey. It's called the Four Spiritual Laws. And he talks about, uh, about our need for salvation. He was an evangelist at heart. If Bill Bright was here today, he would tell us, every one of us, me, you, and everyone watching online, every one of us is sitting in one of three chairs today. Every one of us is sitting in one of three chairs. And he actually had some graphics to help uh, explain this. First of all, look at the screen. Uh, some of you may be sitting in this seat where... You have not yet invited Christ into your life. He's nowhere in the sphere of your, uh, of your world. You haven't yet received his grace, his salvation, his forgiveness of sin. You are sitting on the throne of your own life. And because you're not in alignment with God and you're trying to call all the shots and live life by your own rules, the rest of your life is just kind of chaotic Things aren't properly lined up because they haven't lined up with God's purpose and plan with your life because God is on the outside and you're on the throne of your own life. That's, that's where we all are before we come to faith in Christ and some of you may still be in that seat today. There's a second chair and many, many, many people sitting in churches today are in the second chair. You've invited Christ into the sphere of your life. You've said yes to Jesus. You wanna be a Christian. You want to receive God's grace and his forgiveness. However, there is some areas of your life that you're still trying to sit on your own throne. You want God, but at the same time, you want control. You're like, I want God in my life and I wanna know I'm going to heaven when I die, but, I, but God, you need to stay out of my finances. Or I want God, but he's gotta stay out of my marriage. Or I want God, but he needs to you know, close his eyes on Saturday night when I'm out with my friends and doing whatever I wanna do, right? There's some areas that we wanna keep control of. And so not everything is given over to the Lord. And when that's your life, you've got God and the Holy Spirit now working inside of you, but yet you're still trying to live on your own terms. Watch this, watch this, watch this. You will be, and I'm gonna say this, the most miserable of anybody on the planet. The most miserable people on the planet are not people without Christ. They are Christians who are not living in alignment with God and his Holy Spirit. God can't put all the pieces together because you and him are in a tug of war about who's in control. What I believe God wants for me, what I believe God wants for you and every one of you watching online is God wants us to sit in the third seat. In the third seat, you invite Christ into your life and you make the wise choice of scooting yourself off of the seat. You get off of the throne and you allow God to take up rightful position where he is Lord of all. And by the way, how many know that if he's Lord, he's either Lord of all, or as some people will say, he's not Lord yeah, at all, right? Because being Lord of all means you give him control of every area of your life. And when you do, his, watch this, watch this, his presence in your life brings about alignment with his plans and his purposes. And when you live your life in alignment with God, then you experience his power and his presence. We're talking about living our lives this year and putting our faith in action, living our lives on purpose. How many know God's got a purpose for every one of you in this room and every one of you watching online? God has a purpose for you. 
And when we studied last week in Acts chapter one, God wants us to take up the work of Jesus and continue it on. We are to be his witnesses. But in order for us to experience his power and his peace to go live out our faith, we have to be sitting in the right seat. We got to get out of the second seat and give him control of everything. And I know that's scary, but hey, y'all, there's a reason this is called living by faith. We're trusting that God knows what he's up to and that we can trust him in every every area of our lives. We can trust him in our relationships and in our finances and in our careers and in our callings and our activities. We can trust him and we follow him and we allow the Holy Spirit to take control. Now, if we're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to have control, we better make sure we're clear, a little, at least somewhat clear on who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives. So today what I wanna do is I wanna go back to Acts chapter one and I wanna look at this moment where Jesus says to his disciples that he's given the ministry over to them and he's telling them, you're gonna go be my witnesses. And you know, I would have thought, you know, Peter, James, John, all the rest, they probably would like to have ran right into the streets and started preaching right there. Hey, we've been with Jesus, you need Jesus. Hey, we're gonna start this thing called a church. Come on, be with us. But they didn't do that. In fact, Jesus, verse four and five says, you need to go wait until you're filled with power of the Holy Spirit to go be my witnesses. So what did they do at that moment? We're gonna pick up the reading today at verse 12 in a moment and you're gonna see that the disciples did exactly what Jesus said and we ought to thank God that they did because there's a church here called Connection Point now all these years later because those first disciples waited until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of the church. So praise God they were obedient. So watch this, watch this. Here's what we're gonna do today. Uh, I'm not gonna answer every question about the Holy Spirit for you. I don't have enough time for that, but I wanna give you a snapshot of why Jesus said, if you're gonna live your faith in action and you're gonna go be my, my witness, you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then we're gonna look at how the apostles position themselves to be used by the Holy Spirit and how, does, how can we do the same? That's what we're gonna do today, Amen. So let's talk a little bit about who is this Holy Spirit? Well, he is the very spirit of the living God. He is the spirit of the living God working and abiding us. And listen, he moves into you at the moment that you truly surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the author of your salvation, by the way. Jesus is the author and finisher, but he works it through the Holy Spirit. You see, if you do a study of the Bible of of the Holy Spirit, here's what you're going to find. Some key truths. You're going to find it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of your sin. It's the Holy Spirit that makes your mind come alive to the need you have of a God. I mean, some of you have been sitting in church your entire life. Some of you watching online, you've heard the gospel a hundred times over. And it never meant anything to you. Church was born. God was some distant deity if he was even there. But then a day came. Then there was a moment somehow when all of a sudden you felt convicted over some sin that you were involved in. You started feeling that there was an empty spot on the inside of you. You started thinking, maybe there is a God and maybe I need him. And then all of a sudden it went from a maybe to, I know I need him. And I want God in my life. And you gotta ask the question, how do you go from hearing the gospel and sitting in churches, all of a sudden it becoming real and you feeling the need and that you're lost without him? That, 
my friend, is the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said it like this in John chapter three. John three, he says to Nicodemus, he says, you're born once of the flesh, you've gotta be born again. You gotta be born of the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that brings about this new birth. How is it that all of a sudden you come alive to the knowledge of God, the ways of God, the need for God? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't even be saved unless the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and makes you realize you need God in your life. Jesus in John 6, said this, no man comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. How does the Father draw us? Jesus said it in the Gospel of John through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. How I many should just thank God right now the Holy Spirit's alive and you didn't even realize him, right? I mean, thank God he was at work because he convicts you and he makes you realize you need God in your life. And he's always pointing to Jesus. Jesus said the Holy Spirit never brags on himself. He's always pointing to him. The Holy Spirit also takes the word of God and makes it come alive. How many of you have ever come across a Bible verse and all of a sudden you needed a certain word from the Lord, maybe you didn't even know you needed the word, and scripture just leaped off the page and it grabbed you and it's like, whoa, I needed that. Was that a coincidence? Was that irony? No, that was the work of the Holy Spirit of God. He moved in. He did this. Listen, I need to tell you how powerful he is because sometimes we, uh, we neglect and realize just how powerful he is. Do you know that it's the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus up from the dead? The same Holy Spirit that rose the dead body of Jesus and resurrected him is the one who moves inside of you and gives you the new birth and opens your eyes to, the Holy, to his presence, to God. And do you know that when he moves inside of you, he brings gifts to empower you for the work of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that he empowers you to put your faith in action? And listen to me, the gifts he brings for you is so that you can be a witness for Christ and it's never for your enjoyment, they are always for your employment. He is more powerful than goosebumps. In the third song, of a song set. You know, I hear people say, woo, the spirit came down in the third song today. Did he leave after the third song? No, I'll tell you what happened in that moment. You got your heart in alignment with his heart and his manifest presence came all over you, but he was already here, amen? He's here right now, friend. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead and inside of you are gifts and special anointings and favors that some of you don't even realize you have because they're only used when he says so for a purpose. You gotta have your faith in action or you may never know if you don't live it out. You may never know what all your gift sets are, but you've got gifts. And when you're allowing him to work in your life, he bears fruit. Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and long suffering. You ask, how does somebody know if they're filled with the Holy Spirit? Do they have love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and long suffering? Are they bearing the fruit? How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree, not a lemon tree? It has apples on it. How do you know a Christian's filled with the Holy Spirit? They're bearing the fruit of the spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, then all of a sudden his gift set will work through you at the proper time. He will employ you to be a witness for Jesus. That is Acts chapter one. We are all given a purpose. Look at your neighbor and tell him you've got a purpose. 
Online campus, you have a purpose for Jesus. And it's more than just being saved and waiting to die to go to heaven. There is a work for you to do. And the Holy Spirit's empowering you for the work that he has for you to do. But in order to have that power and peace operating, we got to get out of the second seat and get over to the third seat. We got to stop trying to control him and let him be at work. And we got to realize that he's real. Do you know that Jesus never called the Holy Spirit an it? He always used a personal pronoun, he. But sadly, in American churches especially, George Barna did some research and his statistics came back pretty alarming. Look at this research from George Barna. He says nearly 60% of Americans who regularly attend Christian church say there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say the Holy Spirit's just a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. And I want you to look up here at me and let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The Holy Spirit is not just a symbol of the presence of God. He is God himself. Now I'm going to share something with you that some of you are going to struggle with and it's going to be a little deep and somebody's going to have to scratch your head and that's okay because you'll just join the rest of us who scratch our head because I'm going to tell you about something that theologians still can't agree on. So how in the world do we think with our three and a half pound brains, we're going to figure out all the intricacies of God. And I think sometimes God just snickers at us and watch this. They think they got me figured out. Ding, figure that out, boys. So... In Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, we have the Shema and God taught this to teach us to teach our children. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is shout one. How many gods do we worship? There's only one God and father of us all, right? Yet the name God in the Hebrew is plural. One God whose name is plural. How in the world does that work? You get to the New Testament and you read about God and he is clearly defined in three distinctive personalities. You've got God the Father, God the Son. Jesus told Philip, if you've seen, the fa- if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You got the Father, you got the Son, and now you've got the Holy Spirit. Not three individual gods, one God who reveals himself to us in three distinct persons. And so, see, I grew up in, a, in a, a movement that jumped on this extreme that said, if you believed in the three distinct persons of God, then that was of the devil. It was something they called the Trinity. Trinity ain't in the Bible. Well, yeah, no, the word isn't, but the principle is because when you believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're not saying there's three gods. There's only one God. Listen to me. Both of you are saying the same thing, y'all. Don't be jumping to these extremes to bring divisions in the church because there's only one God, but you can't read the New Testament and say he doesn't reveal himself as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The both are there. Trying to figure out God, sometimes we create uh, divisions among ourselves that God just looks at and says, what are y'all doing? Here, let me show you uh, Jesus, how he explained this. You ready? Look on the screen at John 14. By the way, last week, uh, I quoted, I put a verse up there that was actually John 16, verse 13, but I listed it as John 15, 13, just by mistake. Someone caught it and brought it to me, so I apologize for that, but I'm honored at the same time. You don't just hear me preach. You, you go back to the scripture and see if I preach the truth to you. And somebody said to me, you used the wrong verse. I was like, amen, I did. Uh, my mistake. Here we go. John 14, 17, he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth, The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. Listen, people are gonna always struggle trying to define the Holy Spirit. They can't receive, they can't wrap their mind around him. 
But notice what Jesus says to believers. But you do know him because he remains with you. Read the last five words, everyone go. If you're a Christian, this is true for you. And he will be in you. He's not just with you, he is in you. He moved in, he brought in the new birth. He opened your understanding to God. He moved in, he took over. Same conversation, move down to verse 23. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. Somebody shout the father will love him. And next word, what is it? We, talking about Jesus saying me and my father, right? We will come to him and watch this. We will make our home with him. So where does Jesus and his heavenly father move into? Is he, is he showing up at your house address? No, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus just got through saying the spirit when he comes, he's gonna move on the inside of you. In other words, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit moves inside of you, guess what? You get the total package, brothers and sisters. You get the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all moving in there, right there in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me show you one other one. And this is on your message notes. It comes from last week's message. Uh, Acts chapter one, verse one and two. We read this last week and probably, you know, you probably didn't see much of it. Just we kind of skipped over it. But look at how Jesus operated in the ministry. He writes, I wrote this first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up and after he had given instructions, how did Jesus give instructions to the disciples? Do you see the phrase? Through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Well, look up here at me and let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is not in it. The Holy Spirit is God. God wants to move inside of your life and he wants to take over and he wants you to let him take the reign in the seat of the throne of your life. And when you get under subjection to the Holy Spirit of God and allow him to work and flow through you, you know, in Ephesians chapter five, it says, be filled with the spirit. That word filled there in the Greek means to continuously be filled like a, a, a mountain stream running off a mountain into a reservoir and the water never stops flowing. The Holy Spirit is to flow in us and through us in a continual basis. And the Holy Spirit, when we do that, we're in alignment with him and we feel his power and his peace. It's getting off of the throne and getting under his leadership. Allow the Holy Spirit to take over. Even G and listen, if Jesus himself worked through the power of the Holy Spirit, how many, how many know we all better be submissive to the Holy Spirit if we're gonna let him work through us, Amen. I wanna put my faith in action. I'm challenging you this year to put your faith in action. And I'm here to tell us all this morning, we won't do very good unless we get under the flow of the Holy Spirit's presence. All right, now, I know I gave you a lot. Deep, quick. Everybody okay? Look at your neighbor and check on them. No CPR needed, good. So, did the whole, what did the apostles do after this? They went and positioned themselves in a place where God, the Holy Spirit, could work through them when he so chose to. Amen? And we know they must have done a pretty good job. You know how we know the, the apostles were led by the Holy Spirit? There's a church called Connection Point in Jackson, Missouri this morning. 
They put their faith in action. The Holy Spirit worked through them. And that's the reason there's a church around the world today preaching the gospel and leading people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's still at work and he wants to work in your life. He wants to work in my life. And so what I want to do now is I want to say, okay, how did the apostles position themselves then for the Holy Spirit to work through them as the Holy Spirit chose? First thing they did was, write this down, is they went and communed with one another as they prayed and sought the Father. So what are we gonna do? We need to commune with God and with other Christ followers on a regular basis. I, I, listen, when, when I tell you we need the church, I'm not saying that you need to come here because of, of a show or, or because you know, something uh, you know, is, is special about us. I'm telling you that this is a biblical directive that we have in scripture that we're all better off the more time we spend with other believers. There is something supernatural that happens that we align ourselves up ready for the Holy Spirit to do a work in us that we may never even dreamed of, but we gotta be in the atmosphere where our spirits are encouraged and we're open to the things of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't happen sitting at home. It's hard for that to happen if we neglect this gathering together. And there's something beautiful that happens when we gather together, just like uh, earlier today. Uh, when those 15 families were up here being dedicated to the Lord. Can I tell you, every one of those families could have dedicated their children at home by themselves. And God would have heard their prayers just like he heard them today. But there was something supernatural that happened in their hearts when they stood on a stage and saw all these people praying over them at the same time. There's something happens when we were singing a few moments ago and we were singing the song, Spirit Speak, Spirit Lead Me. How much power, more powerful was it when we heard other voices joining in and we're all singing the same prayer? There's something powerful about this moment that when we gather together, here's what Hebrews chapter 10 says, we don't need to neglect this moment. We don't need to collect coming together because we spur one another on. We encourage each other. And he says, actually, we need this more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Anybody think the world's got it all figured out yet? Does the whole world look like it's going to a hell in a handbasket? Are we waiting for Jesus to come and believe every day when we look in the world, he could come a little sooner? Yes. Amen. That means that's how much more we need this moment. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Don't take this moment for granted. When these disciples came together, they came with a purpose. Look at this with me. Look at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem. This is after Jesus ascended to heaven, said, go wait in Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. And they were all continually united in what? Prayer, along with the women, including Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What did they do? They went back to Jerusalem and got together and spent time together praying together. And I wanna say this to our congregation. When you come here on a weekend, take advantage of the opportunity. Don't just come to be entertained because we're not good entertainers. Come to meet with God. 
come to experience the presence of God. And in partly you do that by experiencing him in community with one another. Make, take advantage of the other people in the room by building relationships and friendships. Get to know one another and let's all join in with one voice in praise and let's all join in and pray over one another. And let's make sure before we leave here this morning, there's been some moment where we've said, oh God, uh, it was good for me to be in this atmosphere today. Align my life to your purposes. Let me follow you. We need one another and we need the encouragement and the strength that we gather from each other. It opens us up to be more in tune to the Holy Spirit. Number two, when they gathered together, they didn't just pray, but what we're gonna see now is Peter actually helped them go look into the scriptures. We need to look into the word of God. That helps us position ourselves for the Holy Spirit. Look with me now down at verse 15 and 16. In verse 20, it says, and in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of the people were together about 120. And he said, brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scriptures be fulfilled. Say that phrase with me. Scriptures be fulfilled. Watch this. That the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David, foretold of Judas, who became a guide to those arrested, who those who arrested Jesus. Now here's what I need you to see. David lived a thousand years before this passage happened. How did Peter know that a thousand years earlier that when David in the Psalms wrote about someone betraying the Messiah and selling him for 30 pieces of silver that he was talking about Judas, one of his friends. How in the world? Well, number one, he had to go back and read scripture. And then you look at the life of what just happened, Judas selling him 30 pieces of silver, uh, the Messiah dying on the cross and being rose again. And all of a sudden, still though, you got to have one other element for the realization and the wisdom and the knowledge to, to happen. Something's got to happen for the light bulb to go off. Who did Peter say wrote the scriptures through David a thousand years earlier? The Holy Spirit. And now all of a sudden you see the work of the Holy Spirit as they were diving into the word of God and looking at their present day and how does the word of God apply? This, uh, what? Oh, there it is. Hey, y'all, this is Peter. Y'all remember that the Bible says David wrote in the Psalms about this guy selling the Messiah for 30 pieces of silver and a field of blood being bought. Y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember reading that. I remember hearing that in synagogue. That was Judas, y'all. The Holy Spirit enlightened him. Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and they bought a field called the field of blood and he went and hung himself and the tree limb broke and his body fell down on the rocks underneath it and he burst wide open. Oh my goodness. We just saw the fulfillment of scripture. How did that happen? Holy Spirit. He looked in the word of God. Now look up here at me and let me tell you something. We need to be students of the word of God. And this is the reason why I implore you to be a daily Bible reader, study the scriptures, get in a small group where you're studying the scriptures with other believers. Why? Because, watch this, watch this, watch this. 
When you and I go to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is the one who enlightens our mind and we find wisdom and direction and hope and guidance and strength for our lives out of God's holy word. I promise you, you do not need the wisdom of Chris Vault when you come here on Sunday. You don't need my philosophies. I will mess you up. I'm a sinner saved by grace, just like you. Some days I'm sitting in the third seat and every once in a while my flesh gets involved and I jump over in the second seat, just like you all. Don't judge me. We all in this thing together, amen? But I tell you what we do need, we need uh, your pastor and you together. We come in here on the weekend, we need to have studied the word and prayed into the word and done the proper context research. And when I get up here, I need to tell you what the scripture says and I gotta line my life up to it just like I'm telling you, you gotta line your life up to it. We're in this thing together and the scriptures has gotta be our guide. And the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us from the word of the Lord. Amen? And it helps align us for what God's gonna do next. Listen, even Jesus said in uh, John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings back to our memory whatever he has said. If you don't put the Holy Spirit down, if you don't put the word of God inside you, the Holy Spirit has nothing to bring back up to your remembrance when you need it. You with me? People say, I want to hear the voice of the Lord. I promise you this, the voice of the Lord will never speak in contradiction to his word. This is where false doctrine and cults rise up. People who say, I heard the Lord say, and it doesn't align with scripture. One of you is wrong. And it's never going to be the book. Amen? You've got to get in the word and the spirit will use the word to speak back to you. Say amen. Number three we position ourselves through obedience to God. And that's what we're gonna see here. So what did the early disciples do? Jesus said, go wait to be endued with power. They went back to Jerusalem, they got together, shout together, and they prayed together. And then they dove into the word together. Peter got into the word of God. Look at verse 20 there out of point number two. So he's reading out of the Psalms and he says this, for it was written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it and let someone else take his position. Now here's what Peter uh, could have done. He could have said, wow, y'all, you know, the Psalmist said somebody ought to take that boy's position. Well, that was a good message for today. We'll see y'all next Sunday, amen. He could have done that. That happens every weekend. But that's not what he did. He said, you all remember in the Psalms, it says someone needs to take Judas's position. Well, guys, I guess we better figure this thing out. We don't have no president. We don't have no list of point one, point two, point three, how to do this. We got to figure this thing out on ourselves. but we know what the directive of scripture is. We need someone to take Judas's spot. Hey, y'all, how are we going to do that? We got to obey, catch it, obey the word of the Lord. You see it? It's gathering together and praying for each other. It's getting into the word. But when you see what's in the word, then you try to apply it to your life. It's obedience. We have to obey what the Lord has said. And when we do, we're aligning ourselves to be used by the Lord. Well, look on down with me now at verse 21. What did they do? 
This is so interesting. This is so funny. Therefore, from among the men who've accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these, it's necessary that one becomes a witness with us of his resurrection. Now watch this, watch this. Look at the prerequisite of taking the place of Judas and being an apostle of his, of his resurrection. They had to be with Jesus from the time of his baptism. They had to have been following for the last three and a half years. They had to know he was real, know he died, and know he rose from the grave. And did you know there were men that you've never even heard of in the Bible to this moment who met that criteria that in the gospels, you never read their name one time. You hear about the 12, the 12, the 12, the 12, the 12. But did you know there were others with them? In fact, one time Jesus sent 70 out to do ministry. Well, who were they? We don't have their names. You're about to get two of them. Two men who've been believing on Jesus ever since John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. Two men who followed all this time. Verse 23, they proposed two. Joseph called Barsippus, whose also name was Justice. Everybody shout Justice. And then Matthias, shout Matthias. And here's what they did. They prayed and they said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show which of these two you've chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias and he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, what is this casting lots thing? This is so funny. Best way I know to explain it to you is they rolled dice. It's literally what they did. They would write their name on two dice and they roll it out there. And instead of snake eyes, you had Matthias, Right? Now, I am not advocating, do not put this out on Twitter that I did. I am not advocating that you can go down to the casino or go buy you a lottery ticket and in Jesus' name. Someone asked me one time, said, Pastor, if someone played the lottery and won the lottery, would you take their tithe money? I said, well, the book of Proverbs says the wealth of the unrighteous is reserved for the righteous. That's all I'll say about that one. All right, here we go. <laughs> We got buildings to pay for. Here we go. <laughs> Don't you dare use that against me, y'all. I'm telling you. I already got a phone call this week off of last week's sermon. Here we go. <laughs> you know, it's bad when preachers or other churches call you about what you preach in your church. Anyway, I ain't gonna go there today. Here we go. <laughs> throw, throw the dice. This is the last time in the Bible you will ever find them casting lots. They'll never throw dice again. And you say, well, preacher, why did they throw at that time? Who hasn't came yet at this point? The Holy Spirit. But he's gonna come in Acts chapter two. We'll talk about it a little bit next week on Vision Sunday. He's gonna come and, and we are looking at him on the backside, he's already came. You don't need artificial confirmation. You need to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit who's inside you. He will lead you. He will guide you. You don't need a fleece. You don't need to roll the dice. You need to follow the Holy Spirit. He knows how to lead his people. Amen. And the disciples will never do this again after the Holy Spirit comes. But here's what I want you to see. They gathered. They prayed. They got into the word of God. They obeyed the word of God. And all of a sudden... 
when it was the right time and the Holy Spirit said, now I need someone to take Judas's spot. Watch this. There were two men sitting in the church, Matthias and Justice. And both of those men were living a life in position. We hadn't even heard their names before this moment, but they'd been there for three and a half years quietly coming, gathering, listening, praying, serving. And then the day when the spirit needed them, they were available. They were in position. I want us to be a group of people because you can't dictate how the Holy Ghost works. You just need to be in position because when he chooses to use you, he don't have to go looking for you. You're ready. I want to be ready. Amen? Amen? In the supermarket, at work, sitting around the house, I want to be ready. When the Spirit speaks, we're available. Amen? Here's your, proper, here's your big takeaway. You see, I, proper alignment positions you a proper position aligns you for your purpose. God's got a purpose for you, y'all. And he wants to use you. Amen.